podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It looks like somebody's found the chipping pin for the company credit card and they've started making some signings. What do you think about Joe Hart and James McCarthy joining, as we've got on the on the, the banner, Angie's Revolution? Angie's Revolution, eh? Um, it's starting to take shape, put it that way. Um, we're starting to see the, the players coming into the building. Look, when you take this and you look at the two signings, they're two very experienced heads adding to a squad, which is um, very young. Um, very inexperienced uh, you can say there's players like McGregor and Christie that have been there for years but when you look at the back four um, it, we did need some extra experienced heads into the building and bringing these two guys in is definitely uh, something that we were looking to do Joe Hart I think if he managed to get any sort of form out of Joe Hart the way that he used to play for Man City even spells that he had at Spurs and the, the kind of cup games that he had He's a fantastic addition to the squad. I'm excited to see him playing. It does look as if he'll probably make his debut on Thursday night. McCarthy, it's just about how quick we get him up to speed um, because he's been around the Premier League now for a number of years and it's always been a case of he's been kind of struggling with injury worries but when he has been fit, he's been the first pick in there whether it be at Crystal Palace, at Everton, he's always been the one that they turn to and bring him back into his squad as soon as he's available. So that is good and it adds depth to our midfield, which was lacking before his signing. I think when you look at it, you've had someone like McGregor, Sorrow, Turnbull, and that was the three that you knew were going to start because you didn't think anyone else was going to step into those positions. Now, McCarthy coming in, 
is that going to push Sorrow out the team or is it going to make Sorrow try and improve himself and get even better? And that's what you're looking for. We're looking for players that's going to come in. Whether they're first choice or not, they make the squad better overall and they make this competition for places. And that's exactly what these two signings do. We haven't heard from uh, James McCarthy yet, but we heard from Joe Hart last night, Brian. And it was a very impressive interview, eh? I, I, found it, I found it impressive anyway. Don't go for it. No, I think it was. Um, it's, um, I'm just glad we're getting players in to join the Angie Revolution and it's not Angie Revolt because he's fed up not getting the players in he wants. So that's a good sign at least. But one of the things that impressed me about Joe Hart was, and I'd said before, I wasn't overly excited when we were linked with him, but the fact he's took the, the pay cut, he's, he's dropped into 15 grand a week, he's signed for three years, and he, he looked like he had the bit between his teeth, he looked like he's got something to prove. and uh, what a stage to, to prove it on. You know, if we get fans back into Parkhead, get it filled, um, it, it's going to be great and I think he'll thrive under that. I compared it yesterday to the sort of almost Scott Sinclair effect. You know, a player that was, you know, very highly rated but drifted off a bit and uh, maybe sort of rejuvenated at Celtic Park. And, uh, I think James McCarthy's a really good piece of business. Mm-hmm. Again, signed for four years. So he's committed. He's not coming up here for a, for a holiday until a better offer comes up. Obviously, Celtic supporter, um, always done well for Ireland. Done well, as Colin said, when he's played for for Palace and Everton. And I think the, the only worry is make sure he stays fit and stays injury free. If we can do that, I think that's a really solid addition to the midfield. And I'm hoping his influence in the team will um, inspire guys like Sorrow and, and show him because I think Sorrow's got all the potential in the world. He's still only 22, but he's very rash. As we spoke about. And I think McCarthy's got a, a you know a much calmer head but, uh, when he's winning the ball back. So hopefully Sorrow can learn from him. So so all in I exciting and, and just uh, just need another six players and we're, we're good to go. <laughs> See on that, Brian, you're talking about Sorrow being quite rash. I think the biggest problem we've had with Sorrow is the fact that we didn't try to integrate him sooner. We didn't have like last season and maybe even the season before when Scott Brown was there. That was the perfect time that you'd say, right, Sorrow, you get the last 30 minutes when Scott Brown's tiring. You bring him on, you get him up to speed with Scottish football. Instead, we kind of threw him in at the deep end. And at first, they started to impress. He was very highly rated when he came in. And then when we started to rely on him week after week, we started to see the kind of flaws in his game where he'll kind of chase the guy down. But he's very susceptible to giving the foul away. He's very susceptible to probably picking up a yellow card things like that we could have integrated them in more gently and played them 30 minutes here 30 minutes there gave them the odd game here and there instead we kind of relied on them and having that experienced head in McCarthy I think will help grow Soros game as well to the point where he can start to work on those flaws and he can improve himself so as you say maybe in a year or two's time he is a better all-round player I think uh... The, the, the reaction on Axon has been fairly positive to both signings. Um, and me and Boyce spoke about it last night on Screamer Selica. But there's always this coming in, and it's from S on YouTube. I wonder what, what say, if any, Ange had in the two signings. We've seen this movie before. I think S is trying to get over the opinion that over the last decade or so, we've seen an accountant playing football manager when it comes to making football decisions. Uh, At the moment, uh, we've got a guy who does rugby (laughs) uh, trying to sign football players. Do you think that there's any 
do you think Yes has got a point there, Colin? Uh, are we still seeing an accountant? Are we still seeing an accountant playing football manager here? Look, we spoke last week about the importance of getting signings in, and we we're saying on the Wednesday bulletin last week we have to look at UK targets as well as international targets because we are in the kind of process stage of we don't just need a first team or we need backup first teamers as well. That's how much of the rebuild we had to get into it. Um, the fact that these are available to Anjum, you've got to assume that he has the, the final say on it. He's not going to sign a guy that he doesn't want part of his team. As Lawrence Reed here says on YouTube, Ange, Ange sorry, says he's delighted with the signings. Of course he is because he needs to bring in more players into the squad. Bringing in someone like Joe Hart and someone like James McCarthy adds the depth to that squad. If he's interested in signing guys like Buta, like Lovrich, like other players that we've been linked with, that's going to take time for them to bed into the squad. And he doesn't have that time at the minute because the start hasn't been that impressive. He needs to start getting wins on the board and bringing guys in from the UK that he can bring into the squad without having to quarantine. That that gives him the best chance of doing that. Brian, I'm going to bring up Brown Warrior here. Does anyone seriously think Hart and McCarthy would be a done deal without Desmond's input? So this goes back. This goes back last week to the the story. It was leaked to a, a newspaper that was saying that Desmond was getting more involved. So instead of it being an accountant that's doing the football de- deals, we've now got a multi-billionaire racehorse owner, airport owner, now actually doing the deals. Sold the airport, Kev. Sold the airport. <laughs> he used to be a former airport owner then, but he still, he's, he still owns plenty of racehorses, seemingly, uh, if those tweets are anything to go by. Brian, what do you think? Do you think this is guys of Hart and McCarthy's quality are only at Celtic because Big Double D is now involved? <laughs> With the AI, certainly can be a tit at times. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, what you have to look at is we, we were talking about all these Angie signings. We know that Celtic are using last year's you know scout manual. We know that we we know there's not going to be a, a recruitment director in. We know they're basically scouting the players or giving him files on players they've already had. So I think I think it's Angie's choices out of. Celtic selection, if that makes sense. So I, I know people are kind of you know, thinking because Joe Hart was linked to last year, or it's the club making these decisions to get players in. No, Ange. I, I think he's probably picking from the selection they're giving him, and that's something that we hope longer term is going to change. In terms of Desmond getting involved, look, the thing about it is, you know, whoever's doing the deals, it's no the CEO and it's no Ange. So whoever's doing them, you've got to assume that they're really in charge of the negotiation part of it. I doubt that Dermot Desmond is coming in and saying, that's who you're getting, Liam. That would surprise me. Ange doesn't seem like the type of character who you're going to tell to to sit down and do what he's told. So I'd be surprised. Um, What you may have found, uh, maybe with McCarthy, is that Desmond might have decided to top up his wages if Celtic couldn't afford it. Something like that, maybe. He'd done that before Roy Keane, I think. And uh, Robbie Keane, I think, as well. So maybe that's scared, but the reality is we don't know. It's all conjecture just now. Um, I say, and the, the positives are, and seems happy with two signings, and as we said, there are two signings coming in. The squad's looking a bit more like it, although we are still short, especially in full-back position particularly, and there's a big question mark over Eddie. So there's still a lot to be positive about the, the, the Desmond stuff and Angie's players. 
I don't think it's worth getting drawn into because the reality is we just don't know. I don't think it's worth getting drawn into either, but it's a comment from no. one of the viewers. Eh? But what I would say is, sitting here on a Wednesday afternoon, I find it extremely fanciful that Dermot Desmond would phone up Joe Hart and say, do you want to come to Celtic, Joe? I just find that completely fanciful. But if he's maybe brought in some negotiators, maybe his son's involved at some, some point, because who at the club has got experience in negotiating deals now? Uh, Don Mackay has got experience in negotiating deals, business deals. A football player's contract's completely different from from business. Who, so who else is left there? So you've got the company secretary, Michael Nicholson, who, who's been there for years and was probably heavily involved under Peter Wall. So I've, I've met Michael uh, on, on many occasions and he doesn't seem to be the type of guy that would be able to talk Joe Hart and he come to Celtic. It doesn't seem to be the type of guy that would talk James McCarthy into coming to Celtic. Uh, so there is somebody doing that, and whoever it is. I mean, Poster Cobb would be, be Joe Hart's conversation last night. I don't think he spoke, he spoke to Poster Cobb with Colin. That's what it nah, seems. That's what you got from the interview. It doesn't sound like it. What were you saying, Brian? He just called him the manager, didn't he? Didn't he did. To be fair, I've heard some people on this channel struggle to pronounce Posta Coglu, so I'll give him a benefit of doubt in that one. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've got to bring up uh, a tweet I seen last night, and it's uh, the clip from that video. See when he's sitting there with Stevie Woods, and they're looking at their laptop. Uh, Derek Watson put a tweet out last night, I retweeted it, and he says that what he was actually showing them was a clip where Stevie Woods had to go out and play outfield for Motherwell because they were that, <laughs> that short on injuries. I played five minutes up front. This is how you can do it. Um, no, look, what was interesting coming out of that Joe Hart interview was the fact that he has heard of Stevie Woods before because of probably his connections with the Scotland team and the the part the friendship that he's got with Fraser Foster. Um, so Joe's sounds as if he is doing his homework um, and he knows what he's coming up to do. Now, he's a guy that, really needs to try and revive his career. He's kind of went through a bit of a flat spell with Spurs at Burnley. Even his loan spell at Torino wasn't wasn't overly inspiring. The fact that he's coming up here, he's kind of took the cut in wages. I know if they'll say, well, I'd love to be on 15 grand a week. So would I. But for a footballer of Joe Hart's kind of stature, to drop down to 15 grand a week is, it is a fair jump for him. He could have easily moved to the MLS or went to China and picked up 10 times that. But he's, he's decided for the benefit of his career to make that move up to Scotland. He's got a lot to offer to the team. And if you can, if Stevie Woods can work with him and get these things out of his game that seem to have been creeping in over the last few years, I think we've made a astute sign in there. Robert Ingram disagrees, Colin. Hart should be a one-year stopgap, even Ange is on a year's contract. Brian, what's your take on that? For me, I disagree with that because... Joe Hart is only 34, which is extremely young for a goalkeeper. And the fact that he's been willing to sign for three years, for me, shows a bit of commitment. On the on the other side of that comment, uh, Callan88 comes in and says, I hope we don't, don't go down the EPL players route again, i.e. I Duffy, because that's just lazy scouting for me. Though he does think the Hart signing is going to be a turning point. Two differentiating Two different views on Joe Hart there, eh? Well, what, what, what's your thoughts on the two commenters there? What do you think? So the first one, I, I think that 
I think if we'd have put one of one-year deal, we'd have been shooting ourselves in the foot. So imagine you put one on your deal and he has a brilliant season, like Fraser Foster, levels of success, he's, he's rejuvenated again. You can guarantee the clubs down south will, will, will start to look at him again. At least if we've got him on a four-year deal, he shows his commitment to the fans. Um, it gives him a bit of security and if he does play well, there's some of a big move in him. So, you know, we could cash in at some point if that's the case. But I think, yeah, 30, 34 years old is nothing for a keeper. Um, to be honest, some outfield players are... Um, are getting older as well so I think age is, is just a number in terms of Ange the rolling contract I think is something we've done for a while and so it's, I wouldn't say it's a, a one year deal it's not as if he's going to get it's the rolling contract that Lennon said before and I think it was only Rogers that didn't have that am I right? Rogers Rogers originally had that contract and then he signed a was it a four year deal three or four year deal three year deal that's the other comment about the the players going in the EPL route I kind of I get where that tweet's coming from or that comment's coming from As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Yeah, I, I, I get the sentiment behind it, but what you also have to understand is, is, is calling to it earlier. It's quicker to get these players in and right into the team. There's no the quarantine period. You know, there's no the adjustment period, there's no travelling, you sit in a hotel for 10 days before you can start. So, in this instance, I think they should have probably done this sooner, if I'm honest, and looked at, you know, getting players for either for the SPL or the EPL or Championship or something, getting that in first, probably in the team with that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I see where he's coming from, but I don't quite agree. Um, although I do think the heart's saying maybe a turning point. I'll th- tell you what, you, sorry, Kevin, you, you mentioned the, the part there about getting it done sooner. I think, honestly, until maybe, I don't know if it would be the Michelin game, I think Andrews was happy to go with the three goalkeepers that we had. I don't think that was one of the areas that he was looking to strengthen. As much as we said, we think we needed a goalkeeper. So I reckon in the space of less than a week, they've brought in Joe Hart. As much as he's been linked before, I don't think there was the the sort of urgency there from Celtic to say we need a goalkeeper. After those performances, he's looked at it and went, the West Ham game probably included, and went, aye, they need another head in there, and it, the deal's been done. So, in relative terms, it, was, it wasn't it was the longest transfer that we've had to kind of go through at Celtic. What I was going to, what I'll say is, I'll ask Callan 88 to come back on when we start raking through Man City's sock drawer in the last week, <laughs> in the last week of the transfer window to try and get loan signings and to see what he say, says, see what he says then. Reese 4, and that for me, this is the main thing about the signing of Joe Hart. 
is he's going to bring the experience and I think the defence is going to benefit for that experience, that presence. And dare we say it, that arrogance behind him because he does seem a very he does seem a big confident character. And what I really love confident but humble. His words about Callum McGregor last night and even Angie's words at the weekend about Callum McGregor for me really show that Callum McGregor's standing up has actually stepped up to the captain's mantle of Celtic Football Club brilliantly, eh Brian? Aye, absolutely. I think um, I think McGregor's, although we can be tricked for some of the performances so far, but I think McGregor's played consistently pretty well. I think he looks more vocal than ever. And, um, you know, maybe we said, you know, he's not going to be a Scott Brown type vocalist and stuff. Maybe we Scott Brown know there. He's actually come out of shell a wee bit. Uh, and the fact that, <coughs> sorry, Joe Hart has said that he took the time out to, to sort of give him the lay of the land and. Uh, no put in his place, but shown the, the way he do things. I think that's really good qualities for the captain, and he seems to be thriving. So I absolutely really positive with Carl Mack concerned. Well, what do you think, uh, Callum McGregor, over the last couple of weeks, Colin? He's someone who is sort of getting his bearings as the captain. He's not someone who immediately jumps in, but what he does seem to be is he seems to be someone that gets on very well with players very quickly and I think you saw that even um, in the Scotland squad when you looked at the, the guys kind of talking about the Scotland squad they always spoke about McGregor as the experienced guy but someone that got on with everybody someone that they could always turn to and I think that's good characteristics to have as a captain now we saw the, the Scott Brown side of it where he was very vocal on the park he was kind of controlling the game as almost like the manager on the field I think Callum McGregor will grow into that but if you get everybody on side, that's the first thing you have to do as a captain. You have to be the guy that the players can turn to. If they've got any issues, they say, right, I'm going to go to Callum about that before they go to the manager. Mm-hmm. So having that and getting the respect, even a guy's like Joe Hart who's only just signed, is a great first step. The next one I think the fans will want to see is him being that kind of guy that's arguing with the referee, protecting his players on the park. But that'll come. It's still very early into his captaincy. I'm going to bring a comment from Gary obviously the dark side is strong in this one um, he says love watching this crackpot parody show he obviously has this seen Screamer Selica then uh, endless entertainment cannot wait for the first old firm game of the season neither can we Gary because nothing will change after it we'll still be the good guys and you'll still be the bad guys and still be rotten to the core so thanks for watching by the way subscribe <laughs> <laughs> um, so Colin you mentioned uh, us getting signings in quicker do you actually think that uh, Don Mackay's maybe realising that he's got four weeks to go before everything starts getting put on him because like, <laughs> he's got four weeks we've got a transfer window of four weeks and if, if we haven't got the, the bullets and the guns to mount a challenge this season, then surely it is on Mackay's head because that means he's been in the job eight weeks by the end of the transfer window. And if Andrew's still moaning about not getting reinforcements in by the end of the four weeks, is Mackay maybe beginning to think, by the way, we need to start getting things done here because this this is on my head. Andrew's taking responsibility. Is it time for Dom to actually take responsibility? I mean, Ange couldn't be any more vocal. And 
what he's been saying over the games. He's been talking about getting guys in. He's saying maybe I've not been clear enough. Maybe I've not spoke my my words to the board clear enough. Maybe I need to tell them again and again and again that I need guys in. And fair play to the, the, the board. They seem to have managed to get a couple of guys in now. But if that's not as much as what Ange needs, Ange needs to continue this because Ange is winning the fans. He's definitely winning the fans over. The Scottish media already are turning on him. That means he's doing the job right. They're already saying, oh, he's lost it. Oh, he's, he's done that. No, he's doing the job right because he's coming out and he's having a go at them. And he's been honest to the fans since day one. And I think the fans really respect that. And they're definitely behind him. What you need to do now is make sure that Mackay understands that because he's got a manager there who's very well thought of. And if he was the one to walk away from that situation, it would then fall onto Mackay. So he's got to give him, as you said, as many bullets in the arsenal as he needs to get this job done and then let the talking be done on the park. And so far, even though it hasn't been the best start, Ange is definitely winning the fans over. Now it's time for him, once he gets back, to do it on the park. Scott Howe, I'm just going to bring this up a bit of Bonnie Tyler for a Wednesday afternoon a total eclipse of Joe Hart that's a great comment, I love that um, Brian, I mean what do you think, do you think Dom's beginning to realise now that there's one thing that he's got to get sorted and that's the playing stuff and he knows he'll maybe get a bit of leeway with all the other stuff, it's interesting to hear Andrew and the crowd shouting out for new sports signs, better conditioning to get brought into the club and we don't know, as you said yesterday you made a great point yesterday that there's agencies that deal with this type of stuff I didn't get anything about recruitment eh? if I just go for job interviews and didn't get them so like, so there's, there's agencies, that, agencies that go for this type of stuff so do you think he's maybe put this to an agency going, we need this and they're working in the background because I don't know how long it takes to do a transfer deal, I haven't got a clue but surely he's not sitting all day like or hitting F5 refreshing your laptop, hoping something changes as he's staring surely he's just not staring at his mobile phone hoping somebody phones, surely he's got a lot of a plate spinning at this precise moment in time You would think so, I mean the question is whether those how and all involved Dom is and actually um, the actual transfers over it may be the case that he's left it to, to other football departments and said look you're in charge of transfers you get what Ange wants and he's dealing with other things as I said yesterday there's so much needs to change itself to and you know he's so many department heads needed if you think of a corporate structure at the moment it's kind of some scouts some coaching staff you need the layers above them up to the, the pyramid at the top so he's got a lot of stuff to fill in you know behind the scenes and it's going to take a while I've said this before I think it's going to take months before the, the behind the scenes structure is in place how that affects signings is the issue and that's where he's going to be judged because ultimately most fans don't care about the behind the scenes they don't care about the restructure behind the scenes they just want success on the park and you're right what you're saying if we don't have a successful transfer window. If we get to the end of August and Ange still has to win a game and he's no weak players in, fans' patience will start to wane, but it'll be Dom McKay that gets it. You can already see how many people are having a go at Dom McKay. He's only been in the job since July. So he's got what I said, I think he needs to do is come out. And, you know, we've talked about how he's a sort of communication engagement specialist. He needs to do that. He needs to come out, tell the fans, look, this is where we're at, this is the state of play. This is the roadmap. 
this is how long it's going to take to get there. Trust me, we're getting there. We're taking care of those players. We will get there eventually. Just be honest, just be open with the fans. That's all we're asking for. Because what, they, what he can't do, the mistake he simply cannot make, other than not backing Ange, is not including the fans, not talking to us. Because last season is where a lot of this frustration still lingers at that you know, that dismissal of the Celtic support. And we've, you know, the Celtic support's done their job. They've got the season tickets in. They've backed Ange. You know, they're, they're all in. They've done their job. Ange appears to be trying to do his job. It's up to Don McKay. If he's the only one directly involved in the board, they has to make sure and kick the backside to the ones that are involved and get it done. Or else, as you're able to say, the fans will turn on them quickly. And it won't be Ange that gets to blame. It'll be Dom. And that's not how you want to start a job. I think what we're actually seeing is... I think we're exactly where we're meant to be. Uh, I think we're exactly where we deserve to be with the way that the the club has been run over the last 18 months especially. Um, But everything that we're doing now is steps to recovery. Even if it's a setback, it's still a step to recovery. Um, Because it might not be with Ange, it might not be with Don Mackay, Mm. but the, the decisions that are getting made now will lead to a brighter future. And it's maybe not round the corner. It could be a year down the line, two years down the line. But everything, we just need to embrace what's actually happening and hope it, turn, and hope it turns out right. Um, I mean, I'm sure that the guys sitting on the non-executive board and the board think they're doing an absolutely spiffing job of running Celtic Football Club. And they're going, why are the peasants revolting? Uh, why are the peasants having, like... Um, protests on Sunday, they've delivered four quadruple trebles. I mean, I've went on about this until I'm long and weary and I'll keep on going on about it. It's like they're almost complaining now that their house is flooded after fans for years have been pointing out there's a hole in your roof. You need to get this sorted. The only thing that we're world class at is making statements that we're a world class football club when it's quite simply when you have a look at the demeanour and what Ange Postacoglu has says and and in his post matches and his press conferences that we're no we're nowhere near an elite football club off the pitch. Colin, what do you think? And on the pitch at this precise moment in time, let's not beat about the bush. <laughs> on and off the pitch, we're nowhere near an elite football club, no matter how many statements the PLC board put out saying that we are a world-class institution. I just want to pick up on something you said at the start of that there, um, about the, the sort of making decisions now which don't seem the wisest, but will be a benefit going forward. And the first one that kind of sprung to mind there was um, Olivier and Cham leaving the club this week. Now you look at it as someone who... Oh, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. If you're going to say Olivier and Cham was uninterested, remember some woke person will tell you that you're being racist. So, so you need to watch what you're saying about Olivier and Cham. Okay, right, right. Back, Just, back to what I was saying. Olivier and Cham's a guy that you we turned down bids for about some like twelve months ago, eighteen months ago, two years ago, uh, of varying levels, anywhere between sort of ten to fourteen million pounds. We turned down bids for Olivier and Cham because we expected them to be a big part of the squad, and we, we thought he'd be the man on European nights. And Lazio away from that, he, he really wasn't. He wasn't someone that done it. But he's also someone that was sitting on a fairly high wage packet at the club. Um, and it didn't look as if Celtic were ever going to get the bid that they were looking for for him. They knew that they had plans in the work, especially with McCarthy and Hart. So that, that 
kind of acceptance that right, we've made a pig's ear of this. We we should have cashed in well before we did. Let's just agree to disagree, and that's it. The job's done, and he's up. He's away because he was away in Marseille at the weekend. He wasn't even um, in Scotland. He was watching the game over there. That allows him to go and develop his career. We can admit that it was a mistake we didn't sell him, but now we move on. And with that signing going out, it's allowed us to bring two in. Now, I'm not necessarily saying it's a case that that's what we need to do going forward, because I'd hate to think it was the fact that we've got to sell to or release to let players come in, but to fit into the structure. And this goes back to what you were saying there about the guys and the non-executive board saying, we're running this club really well. That wage bill that we've managed to shift on. If you were bringing in two guys like McCarthy, who's going to be on a fairly decent wage, Hart we know, going by the reports, is on 15 grand. That means it's not so much of an addition to the wage budget because you've managed to shift and charm out of there. So they'll see that financially as a good move. We can scream all we want that these deals should have been done earlier, but it feels as though that every time that we move someone on, we bring someone in. Ayer goes out, Starfelt comes in, and Cham goes out, Hart and McCarthy come in. So they are trying to run it like a business as well, whereas we do need them to kind of look at it and accept that this football team needs re- needs strengthened regardless of who's coming in and out. We need to get the guys in. There should have been a budget there. It shouldn't be one in, one out. Uh, and we need strengthened, but we also need decent scouting because the scouting has failed over the last four or five years. Well, what do you think, Brian? Do, do you think that the... the Olivier and Cham, like, for me, and I've said it on here plenty of times, on his day he was the best midfielder in Scotland by a, by a week. When he turned up, he was the best midfielder in Scotland. Nobody else had in the locker what he could do, but the days became few and far between uh, over the last three seasons. The days became few. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Far between. Games were passing them by. He did look uninterested. And that's... and. That's the reason why he's went from a £12 million player to a guy who was struggling to get a contract in, in Greece. And that's nothing to do with Celtic, that's down to the player himself. And um, I would say that about it's the same, I would say the same about Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths is basically ruining his career at this precise moment in time. And but luckily enough for Olivier and Cham, is as he's young enough to actually turn it round if he wants to turn it round. What do you think, Brian? It's hard to disagree with anything of you say, to be fair. And I think, you know, one of the problems I think Southie had last season is we talked a lot about it, about the culture, about the lack of culture. And I think if you've had guys moping about, they maybe create a toxic atmosphere. And I don't know if Olivier and Chan was, I'm just making a wild assumption here, but if he doesn't want to be there and he's still get fed up and he's not joining in... Oh, 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 hold on, I get shouted at that and I never even mentioned any of that, Brian. I know, I'm cancelled. I'm cancelled. Um, <clears throat> no, that... no, 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 let's, let's clarify this. Neil Lennon came out and says the guys who were wanting away caused a poor atmosphere in the ah. dressing room. So we all know Edward, Cham, Christie, Ayer were guys who were wanting away. So yeah, I think I think in that regard, I think if you're Angie, <clears throat> one of the things I like best about him is he spoke about creating that culture, that joy of playing for Celtic, having a good team mentality. And then, so I think it probably makes sense 
as well as financially, but in the, the team setup to get rid of guys like that that aren't, you know, contributing. Um, one of the things you mentioned, which makes me panic when you're talking, Colin, about the board and how they, they view things, or the non-exec board and how they view things, about a player in and a player out. I made a point yesterday. <clears throat> it looks like we're doing what you say. I think that's right. Reduce numbers. If they're looking at squad numbers, we've actually got six centre-halves, which makes me worried that they're hesitant to sanction a move for another until one leaves. Two right-backs with two left-backs, you know, and Conor Ralston. I, mean, I know the reality is, is they're not going to be first-team regulars. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Starfield, Welsh, Julian, um, Irigidi, Beaton, um, <clears throat> Murray, they might go, That's you don't really need another centre-half. Now, we all know we do. But my concern with whoever is doing the transfers is if they're looking at it just purely on numbers, and saying we've got ball and goalie on 30 grand a week, what do you need another left-back for? That's a worry, and I don't know maybe that's cause of delay, and, and maybe that's the frustration where they go, look, we need to get rid of some of these guys. Yeah, but we need to get guys in first. And my concern as we get to the last week of the transfer window, we finally, Edward finally goes, ball and goalie goes, beat him, and then we did this mad scramble to try and get players in. You know, I don't know if there's any substance in that, but it is a concern for me because the areas we've strengthened so far are areas where we're weaker in, and in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. Then half just an error we can in terms of ability. So it's a wee bit of a concern me why that's taking so long for some of these to come up. As usual, I hope I'm super wrong and we've got a bunch of players lined up to fit into that. But it does slightly concern me the lack of transfers out of the club as much as the lack of transfers in. I think what you're saying there, Brian, is the legacy issue of Peter Law. How Peter Law done business and how the, the Celtic executive, non-executive board see how we do business. It's spend everything, everything we bring in, we, we, we put back out. Whereas we're at the point now where we need new players quite quickly. But as you say, they could be actually quite rightly looking at it going, well, we've got Christopher Julian who we spent £7 million on coming back sometime in September. Why do we need to go and get another centre-half when we've got guys that can play there? The problem is the guys that we can play there are guys like Nier Beaton, who who have proven time and time again now that they're untrustworthy in the centre-half position. I mean, with Beaton, you're probably getting one good game in five. Uragide, he's as raw as a butcher's flair. And he's got any time. He's got any time to progress. And this is a problem when you allow accountants to play football manager, Colony. Hey, football manager's a great game. I'm enjoying my my save at the minute. I'm trying to take Greenock Juniors to the SPL, or the Cinch Premiership, or whatever it's called. One league, do they now? Um, no, but there is a there is something to be said about that. Um, the, the idea of it's not like the, the money ball idea that's not quite where we're at although I know there's a lot of people out there that would love Celtic to kind of play that money ball idea the way that Brentford do it it's more a case of balancing the books um, and as you mentioned I think you had a, a slip of the tongue there Brian I don't think ball is on 30 grand a week if he is we'd have got rid of him a long time ago I think maybe somewhere in the region of 13 I can understand but even like that if he's not going to play again then it is time to either move him out on loan to someone that picks up the majority of his wages or you do move him on completely. So you look at the, the guys that were still meant to be out there for guys like Buta, um, like the boy Scales from Shamrock Rovers, Christian Lovrich. These guys, is it going to take someone 
like a bolly to move out before they actually sanction to say, right, get him in. Because if that's the case, it's not how we're going to work. As you're saying, Kevin, we do need, we don't just need someone to come in and be a squad player. We need someone who's better than Taylor, who's better than Ralston to come in. We need someone who's going to score us 25 goals a year. We need to have Eddie's replacement in before Eddie leaves the building. That's the kind of situation that we're in, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. And I honestly think as we get down to the last week or so of the the window, that's where you'll probably go and sign three or four guys on loan because that's the way that Celtic seem to go. That, that's the way it's looking, eh? and that's not going to come as any surprise to me. And it's just for the re- just for the reasoning that uh, Colin says there, Brian. It's going to be a financial reason. They are going to play, pay fractional wages to get guys in on loan and wherever it is because I mean Eddie's no sh- we didn't look like to be shifting Eddie anywhere we haven't got his replacement in the building so you would hope that there's a wedge of cash sitting there for Eddie's replacement I mean I'm sure that uh, some of the accountants will probably point out say well we've got a Eddie there that was, your, that was Eddie's replacement but it doesn't work that way Brian does it? No it doesn't at all um... <laughs> I've said for a while, I actually don't expect Eddie to go uh, in this window. I just I just get the feeling he, when this clubs are, that are in from Brighton, I don't think he want to go to Brighton. And I think he'll view it as, well, if I go as a free agent, I can have a pack of clubs anywhere. Whereas maybe nobody's willing to pay 20 odd million for a player in his last year. So he might think he sees him, he may not go. Um, I don't see him being rushed at the door. Um, but yeah, it's one of those... It's, just one of those weird situations with Celtic, like you say, that they're dealing with these legacy issues. And I'm going to say something that might seem contradictory to my sort of long-term structure narrative, but it might be the case we might be better trying to get a couple of loan signings in and basically steady the ship until the proper recruitment structure's in place. Because if we're going by the, the, the scout system that was in place last year, which wasn't great, Maybe it's better not investing too much in those signings and actually getting players in that can do a job now. You're on loan, you've looked for a season, and then while that's happening, really, there's the other scouting in. It's not the way you would want to do it. It's not something that's a great idea, but I think maybe it's going to be the route they'll actually go down. Because if you look at this, we've a decent amount so far, and given the fact that we're still talking two right-backs, a left-back, a centre-half, um, probably a winger, maybe a striker. In less than four weeks to get that in, the big transfer fees, I don't see it. And I see, I think what they do is they'll try and fill some gaps with loan players until such times as, you know, they've got their structure in place to keep talking about. I see, I hope it's not a route we go down because it's not very practical and I don't think it fits what we're trying to do. But I think maybe that might be what happens. Do you know what? Sorry, Kev. No, no, no. See, when you look at the guys like Joe Hart and um, James McCarthy, they're guys we'd have probably tried to sign on loan previously. See, after the, the squads get announced in the English Premier League and it's who's in the 25-man squad and who's not, they're guys that we would normally try and sign on a loan deal. Now we've got them in permanently and we seem to have given them sort of longer-term deals, three-year and four-year deals. You just wonder if there's other guys out there that Celtic will maybe look to and say, well, now you're available for a cheaper rate, like, Joe Hart was a million pound. These are guys that they'll try and target, and when they do get them, they'll nail them down on a deal. The, the amount of loan deals that Celtic probably put out there in the last couple of years that they wanted to get in permanently but just couldn't afford it. 
guys like Elinousi, I'm sure Celtic would have loved to have signed him, but instead they had to go with a two-year loan. Patrick Roberts probably been another. So, but the, the kind of market's changing. It'll be interesting to see what moves they make in that sense. One player that keeps coming up, and he keeps coming up in the comment section, and I think it's worth discussing, is Kevin Nisbet. Um, that is just that. That is that is sight. That is. Oh, I'm impressed, Kevin. John McGarry saying we'll sign Nisbet when Edward is sold. I was impressed with Nisbet at the weekend. I've been impressed with him any time I've seen him. Again, he's someone who would need to up his game when he came to Celtic because I think he'd do a job in the the Scottish League, but whether he would do it in Europe or not is out there. And he's someone that's going to get you 20 goals a season, definitely. For £4 million, if you get anywhere in the region of 15 to 24, um, Edward is a very good reinvestment. Um, and on the, the move for Edward, what I've heard is that Crystal Palace, um, they've just signed the guy that scouted Edward for PSG as one of their main scouts. That's where the interest in that comes from. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't make the move there because of that connection. Whose news actually makes a, a great point here, Brian? Eh? So far, we haven't done any loans. It's not the policy this time. I find that interesting, Colin. I think Patrick Vieira has been given free rent to overhaul Crystal Palace and to use the uh, fame due system. And so Crystal Palace could be a good fit for for Eddie. What, what do you think? What do you think about Kevin Nisbet, Brian? Because Cosmo McCauley comes in and actually says, "I don't get the clamour for Nisbet bang average." Uh, so what, what's, your, what's your general opinion on Nisbet? Again, I suppose it depends what we are looking at. If this was a regular season and we were going into the Champions League group stages, I wouldn't be. I would be wanting aim higher than, than Nisbet. Or Nisbet, but the reality is, we're not. And it may be the case that, you know, I, I, I think he would score goals for us. I think he'd probably be more reliable and more consistent than what we've got. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Nisbet's a better player than Eddie. I'm not saying that for a second. Oh, oh. But attitude wise, what he might give you is a bit of consistency, a desire to improve. And, and you know, he can score goals in the league. And if we're honest, the league's, the, you know, that's what we need to focus on and getting up to speed in the league and getting a challenge going go. So I think it'd be a, a, a good buy. I, I, I don't see why it's taking this long to get him in. Um, I think he's probably better than Ayeti, if I'm honest. I don't think there's much of a muchness between them. Um, I think just Ayeti's a bit sexy, isn't he? Because he came from the English Premier League and he scored goals in European leagues and no physically calling you, Cam Dunn. Ah, no, Brian, I was going to say yeah. Well, he's not bad to be fair, but um, but so we're a guy like this. But I, I don't. I, I've said before. I think we should. The first thing we should have done, given the, the COVID restrictions, was say, look, is there anyone in Scotland we can get in that can do a job for us? Bang, get them in first quickly, build it from there, and then maybe look, you know, further upfield. But yeah, the short answer is I would take him this season. But I can understand why people think we should be even higher. So I'm sitting squarely in the fence, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I golf comes in saying Hibs don't want Henderson and Murray. What he's suggesting there is Celtic will probably offer uh, a couple of maybe loan deals or permanent deals for some youngsters that they, they deem that are surplus to requirements at Celtic. Maybe Hibs would they want Henderson or Murray, but I'm sure they would actually take I'm sure they would actually take Lee Griffiths. And this is where I think Lee Griffiths is going to become a bargaining tool. Um, I, I do reckon that we're going to go to Hibs. 
and I'm not in the know, this is just my, me and my, my wild parallel universe here, I reckon we're going to go to Hibs and offer money, Lee Griffiths and Ewan Henderson for Doig and Nesbitt before the end of this transfer window, and that's just me making stuff up. God. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Hibs want Lee Griffiths. I, I mm. don't understand why they would want him. I mean, yeah, okay, he's been a, a decent goal scorer, but he's got far too much baggage. I think Hibs have moved on from that. You look at someone like Doidge up front, um, I think Lee Griffiths would be better leaving Scottish football, to be perfectly honest. With the, the potential return of full houses uh, and crowds for his own career, he'd probably be better going down south. I don't think that will happen. Um, I, I do get what the, the point that the uh, the person was making there about Henderson and money. Hibs aren't in that market anymore. They don't want guys that's just going to come in and develop them for Celtic. They are out there and they're trying to actively add to their own squad. They just signed a striker from the MLS and they're trying to bring that in. He's coming in in January, but they're trying to bring him in now for um, the summer window. I, I don't don't see it happening. Celtic will probably have to pay the, the money. And, and, I mean, you're talking it's going to need to be somebody that goes into that Hibs squad and uh, like benefits them before Hibs will be interested. Maybe it could be someone along the lines of Mikey Johnson on loan. That's that's mm. the only kind of player I could see um, as a, a tool for that. And that's an interesting point. I forgot all about Mikey Johnson. Maybe that says all you need to know about Mikey Johnson. I actually forgot all about him. Well, but what what do you reckon, Brian? Do you think Celtic would pay? Well, let's say it's going to be circa six million pound for both players. Like, if you're if you're going to have for a joint deal for Doig and Nisbet, you're talking about the, the the ballpark figure could be round about six million pound. Do you think we've got the Do you think we've got the the will to pay that? I think we've got the funds to pay it. The will to pay it might be a different thing. Um, Dodge is an interesting one for me. I, I've never been... I don't know if I've quite got the hype train with Dodge, if I'm honest. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being naive, maybe I'm no watching enough, but I, I don't know if I'd be doing cartwheels to he's the answer to your left-back problems, to be fair. Although, is he better than Taylor at the moment? No. I don't think there's much of a muchness, and, and that's my only concern. Like, I, I don't think there's a huge amount between them and I think if they're getting someone in you need to get someone who's, who's head and shoulders above them um, but I, I tell you what I think it's actually for Nisbet and Deutsch you know, that's a bargain because I think Hibs will be looking for 5 million for, for Nisbet to be honest and I think they'll get it I think they'll get it off somebody I just don't know if Celtic will pay that money and I think that comes down to that, that snobbery of you know he's played for Hibs why are we paying that money for a player for Hibs where we can get somebody for Spain, it goes five million and it's a bit more glamorous. See, see, for me, I, I was looking at my notes there that I made during uh, the Hearts game, and the only players, and we'll, we'll speak about the European game next. The only players for me from the old school, the old guard, which seem to have settled into Angie's system, are Callum McGregor and Greg Taylor. For me, some of them are looking that they're struggling to actually adapt to it. And for me, spending four million pound on Doig as a left back is—I think—I think the money could be spent better elsewhere. I think Greg Taylor will prove to be a competent enough left back for Celtic. And at this precise moment in time, the four million pound could be could be spent better anywhere else on the pitch, namely up front. Colin, what do you think? I think. <laughs> See the idea of this um, 
he costs four million pound. This guy costs four million pound. That's the way the Scottish market's now going. The Scottish market's starting now to to get up to that level. I mean, we saw someone like Scott McKenna, who I didn't actually think was a, a great player for Aberdeen. But he went and moved for, what was it, three, four million pounds he moved down to Nottingham Forest for. The standard is now getting set. Celtic moving players on for 20, 25 million. Now it's not just a case of the best player in Scotland goes for 10 to 12 million. He goes for higher. So if we're going to be in that market, we're going to have to pay those prices as well. Just because Doig isn't someone who we think is going to be a great player and he's going to come in and he's going to be first choice, if the market value rate for Doig is £4 million, that's what it is. And it's going to be the same for Kevin Nisbet as well. You've seen teams like Hibs have turned down the deals that they think mm. aren't up to that level before. Even teams like St Mirren and Hamilton are getting a lot higher value for what they used to get for the, the players. Um, we've seen the boy at Hamilton who... Um, Hamilton now being a championship side they just brought in was it three £350,000 for uh, O'Dolphin who just moved to Ro- Rotherham yesterday a championship side in Scotland getting £350,000 for a player would have been unheard of a couple of years ago this is the kind of market rate we're playing with now and the Scottish market used to be somewhere where teams could say I'm just going to pick him up for a million I'm just going to pick him up that's not happening anymore if Celtic are very serious in bringing guys like Doig and Nesbitt in, they're going to have to pay the price, whether that be six, seven, eight million pounds. That's just the way it's going to have to go. Brian, why do you think Celtic have dived into the local market uh, just now because of the quarantine rules and, and, and stuff? I mean, I can name the guy McGrath at St. Bun, Lewis Ferguson, um, Nesbitt as well. There's three players, Ali McCann at St. Johnson. As well, they're four guys that jump out to be going. They could probably do a job for Celtic once they once they settle in. Why? Why are we not looking there just because of the the restrictions that we've actually got? It, it baffles me because, as I say, that that's what I would have done. I would have took Ferguson in a heartbeat. Um, absolutely, you know, one for I'm, money. But again, it for, full, for full disclosure, I would take Ali McCann before him. That's him. Maybe um, I think Alan McCann's a good player as well. Um, I like Ferguson's physicality, but either way, we're making the same point. We look to Scotland first. I think regarding transfers, see whatever transfers we make between now and the end of the season. And I say this at the start of this transfer window, they have to be better than what we've got. So we're saying right back. It can be a right back that might be good in a couple of years. It's be a right back that's far better than Alston. A left back that's far better than Taylor. A centre back that's better than Welsh or maybe Julian. These are the, we need to, where we get them almost a different story, but I don't see the point of signing, I've said this at the start, I don't see the point of signing project players now because we're not in a position that we need them, we need anyone that comes in in the next couple of weeks, regardless of what you're paying for them, it has to be better than the amount of and if you need, we need real quality fullbacks at the moment. That's that's the gaping gaping thing for me, especially because of the way post the wants them inside and out and, and sort of moving all around and shaking it all about. Um, but I think you're right about Greg Taylor. I think he's adapted fairly well to post the style, but I think he looks like a player that's trying his absolute best. He flourishes a, a, a greatness, but he's limited. Um, so I think if we're signing players, we need guys that can come in straight away be better than what we've got 
and then see where we go. And my, my only fear is when it's like this, the boy from um, Shamrock Rovers, Scales, is it? His name is? Yeah, name Scales, yep. I mean, is he going to come in and be better than Greg Taylor right away? I don't know enough about the boy, so I'm generally asking. It seems to me like it's one of those signs we make because he's a good player, just get him in and we'll figure it out later. And that is not what we need right now. I think if you look at if you want to be a European team, then every every spot's up for grabs because of the teams that have been put out of the Champions League in the last four years. So you've mm-hmm. got to say that we can do better in every position. But then that's you're probably writing off players that could 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 improve. Talking about the fullback position here, here uh, Autumn Glove comes in in a parallel universe. Kev Taylor is at Liverpool and Andy Robertson is at Celtic winning Champions Leagues. Maybe in a parallel universe, but I'll be extremely happy if Greg Taylor's running about the Champions League for Celtic next year. I'll be I'll be extremely happy with that, and I think we all will be. Uh, Max Max Stark comes in. Greg Taylor is just as bad as Ralston. I mean, what I'm, what I'm going to say about that is I was harsh on Anthony Ralston uh, post-match on Saturday night. I really was harsh when I said St. Johnson didn't want to take him. That, that's probably not the case. What I, my, the problem that Anthony Ralston has got with the wider Celtic support and the view of Anthony Ralston within the Celtic support is this. Five managers, four managers haven't seen him as Celtic's first choice right back. And the Celtic, the Celtic coaching staff had the chance to make him first choice right back last season, and never done it. And now we're seeing now we're seeing him as our first choice right back at our time. And I think that's extremely unfair on Anthony Ralston, who tries like a bear if nothing else, Colin. Eh? Somebody compared him to Anton Rogan uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I, I kind of see that comparison. Look, for me, I've already had my say on Anthony Ralston. I don't think anything's really going to change my opinion of him. Um, he, he looked far better going forward than what he's ever done at the back with his goal at the weekend. They took that extremely well. Um, look, here's here's a, a suggestion to throw out there. And it's someone who I'd love to see Celtic try and make the bid for now before the, the interest peaks in him. Calvin Ramsey at Aberdeen. He came on against us at the end of last season and was very, very good at right-back. At the weekend there, he was outstanding, put a ball in for one of Aberdeen's goals. 19 years old, I think he is, or probably even younger, breaking into that Aberdeen team. If we're talking about the Scottish market, if you can get in there before the bids start coming in at a high level, we might be able to pick someone like Ramsey up. Um, he's not going to be your, your first choice getting into a Champions League or a Europa League game but he's someone that can definitely develop into that whereas Ralston I don't think well he's turning 23 soon that's if you're not first choice by 23 as you're saying Kevin it's probably time for him to move on um, or change position maybe put him up front Again, but the guy for Aberdeen's got a development plan there. He's going to get more games at Aberdeen than what he's going to get at Celtic. Colin. That's the whole problem. If, if I was, if my 16, oh, I haven't got a 16 year old, if my, my laddie was turning 16 or more at this precise moment in time and he had the choice to sign for Celtic, I'll be advising him not to sign because there's no development plan in place for, for, get, for young laddies to get into that Celtic team. Here's the situation though As it stands you probably need two right backs mm-hmm. So if you get Ramsey for a decent fee And then what do you bring an experienced person in there Buta seems to be the guy that we're, we're going for at the minute Now by all accounts Buta is probably a better player 
than anything we've got in there at the moment. But even people say, ah, he's, he's weak defensively. They've not even seen him playing yet. I think we, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt of bringing them in and actually seeing what's happening. That's all based on them watching them for Royal Antwerp against Rangers when no claim never to watch Rangers games. So that's what that's all claimed to. Kenny67, uh, are you better than Greg Taylor, Brian? That question needs answered. Well, Kenny, I really appreciate the vote of confidence, mate, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving a better left back than Greg Wilder. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely bogging. Um, I can talk a good game, but I can't play one. Um, so, no, thanks for that. See the interesting thing about Ralston? Ralston, for me, what pe- he's the personification of what people see as a problem with Celtic now. People are projecting their frustrations onto Ralston because he, whenever they see him, they see what's wrong with Celtic now. Lack of planning, lack of proper structure, no the right players in. And I think that's deeply unfair on him because it's not his fault he's in that position. So I think a lot of the, I see a lot of the personal stuff about Ralston and I think it's really poor because I don't think he's, he's done enough to, to get the criticism he deserves. Although he isn't going to be Celtic's number one right back but hopefully moving forward. I think it's a bit unfair and I think it's only because people are, he sees the personification of the problems at Celtic in terms of transfers just now. I don't actually think it's a personal thing and I don't think he's nearly as bad as people make out. But again, no Celtic class is, is we like to say. He wouldn't be here if we'd had another right-back. Celtic would have let his contract go and he would have probably been at Aston Johnson or a Dundee United. Or that's even maybe even, that's, or maybe even the league why, below. I think that's why people are, 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 are seeing him as the... Like, that position is the problem. And because he's a guy that's filling it now, I think he's getting the, the, the slack more than he probably deserves. I think the genuine fear, but amongst a lot of the fan base, is that we might not sign a right-back. He's had a couple of fairly decent performances and that suddenly puts him up a pegging order. We've seen him for the last five years and he's, he isn't good enough to play for Celtic. A lot of people in the comments may be saying, well, he's, he's been good the last couple of games, he can put in as a backup. I wouldn't rely on him for a 38-game season. That's why I'm saying you need two right-backs in there. It could be that the Celtic see Uruguay as one of the, the coaching staff see Uruguay as somebody that can fill in it right back if they're absolutely desperate. Uh, Kieran Nolan comes in where he seems to have some knowledge of the of the lad's skills. He says he's a centre back and fills in it right back, physically is stronger than Taylor, need height at the back. And as Kieran's uh, 67 points out, Dermot Double D has a share in Shamrock Rovers. So there, there's, a, there's, a, there's another link there. We've got a game tomorrow night, lads. He's looking forward to it. I am. Right. Colin, Colin, you go first. I am. Uh, first of all, it's a 4.45 kickoff, and it's on Kunso Telly. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, we've already oh, got like Premier, BT, Sky, everything else, but no, being on Kunso Telly is a, a bit of a bonus. But then, but then we need to put up with Liam McLeod. Aye, aye, I know. That's what the mute button's for. Um... No, look, it's going to be good. Just finishing work and then straight into watching Celtic. And then if it's disappointing, you're over it by half eight because it's an early kickoff. But no, it should be a, a good game. I'm looking forward to seeing um, maybe Furuhashi uh, playing. Uh, we were in the, the fan media press conference with Furuhashi the other day um, and he said that his preferred role was striker. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits into the side. 
I, th- I found that quite funny, Colin. He says his preferred role was striker, but Andrew's brought him in to play wide. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what we get out of that. <laughs> Brian, are you looking forward to tomorrow night? I can't wait, aye. And the, the thing is, Colin, it might go on council telly, but you need a TV licence to watch that, don't you, mate? I'm not sure if you've got one. Um, oh, whoa. Yeah. Like, green, okay. nah, yes, oh, green, okay. I don't want to say no, seriousness, I, I, I can't wait. I'm always, um, I'm always buzzing to watch the Celtic. Um, regardless of the shape we're in, I, I can't help. I always get the butterflies. I really look forward to the game. I think we got a good result. And um, and, and as always, just want to finish with last message for the Celtic fans. If you like Colin and I, who always disagree, that's fine. Agree, disagree. Be respectful. Be nice to each other. Everyone's going to support the team. Still arguing amongst yourselves. It's, it's getting ridiculous just now. I'm, I'm going to leave the... Let's just go, mate. Brian, mate, well, that's, that's... Everybody said it, it's the axon, whatsoever. I'm going to put this comment up with Ryan, Ryan Kelly, and we're going to leave it here, and we're going to end. So when this is on YouTube, we can come back to Ryan. Ryan, unpopular opinion, Anthony Ralston or Greg Taylor could make it under Ange. If you look at that in the long term, who knows? That's a bit of positivity end on the day. Lads, thanks for joining me for this. It's been fantastic this afternoon. We never really got through what we were going to get through. Um, and look, as Brian says, be kind to each other and come on the hoops. See you all later. Yeah, well. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.